You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. How's your 2020 been going, <laughs> Bro. Remember when that movie 2012 came out? Yeah. And uh, it was like John Cusack and it was like the major... You know, it was like tidal waves and shit. Nobody saw it because everyone was like, there's a, I don't want to see John Cusack running from tidal waves as much as I love I him. forgot it was John Cusack, it, to be honest. Don't ever forget that. B, uh, it's never going to happen. <laughs> remember that? Remember that? Remember feeling like, oh, we got through Y2K. It's never going to happen. Right. We're, we've moved beyond it as a, as a society, the potential for a global shutdown. There's no way. There's no way Chihuahua led you for. Now, a, a tidal wave sweeping through Tibet seems unlikely still. I still don't think that the monks in the Himalayas have anything to worry about in terms of the Pacific Ocean coming to reclaim its territory. But, <laughs> but what do we know? <laughs> like, what do we know? My favorite prevailing theory on the internet is that 2012 happened. Mm-hmm. In 2012, the world ended. Yeah. And we've just been living this continuous nightmare ever since. And we're just swirling the drain until people just, you know, disappear. Oh, let me tell you, if this is a nightmare, wake me the fuck up, please. Please. Jesus Christ. You know, time for a little justice. Little justice. Little justice. Little justice. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this thing that we call Little Justice. I am Nick Walker. That's Alex Smolo. That's my my best friend, my confidant, uh, my my brother in cynicism and arms. Uh, this is uh, our podcast, Little Justice. I know everyone and their grandmother has a podcast these days, but, uh, you know, we figured uh, we don't, so let's do it. And it, what's what's funny about this, too, is... It is our, it has to be five millionth attempt at getting this thing off the ground. Um, you know, I wouldn't say five million. Well, we did it successfully years ago. We did. We did. And then we, had a good start. And then we decided to restart it. You, your, your life's been going all over the place the last few months, jumping yeah. around. Yeah. My career wise, work, work wise. So, so we, we tried and then it cooled off and now we're back and we ha- we have a little more free time than we did yeah, we, we last have, week. We do have a little free time because, uh, this podcast, this is being recorded, uh, in the wake of what can only be described as a paradigm shift in, uh, human existence. Um, <laughs> a global, a global pandemic as it were. Um, that has shut that's down. Not an over-exaggeration. It is not even. It that's, is, no, that's the yeah. that's straight fact. It is shut down. That's straight fact. 
has shut down so many um, countries and including ours. And I think that we, you know, we are right now in this place where we didn't, you know, I think, I think, you know, Italy was trying to tell us this, you know, stage one is you hear about in another country and you're like, oh, what the fuck is that? You don't really take it seriously. And stage two is it starts creeping in and you're like, oh, well, okay, some people are getting sick, but whatever. And then I think we're at stage three or four, which is like, oh, no, no, this is here. And it's here. This is real. This is real. It'll stick around forever but you know we'll have a way to fight it eventually, eventually. But for now please i hope you're listening to this in your home Dude, with your loved ones i hope everyone yes. is, is safe please stay please stay yeah. safe please if you you know if this is uh and, yeah yeah you know and this is uh, people don't need we don't need to inundate with with no you, the general you, everyone's getting it yeah every, from from left right and center you've, uh, you've heard these what things. i'm what i'm curious about so so a lot of people here nick are here because they know you from your your career on broadway which it's yep. one of the first major industries. Yep. It was like the NBA and then Broadway mm-hmm. uh, went dark mm-hmm. for the first time. What, what Has that ever happened before? So the only time that this has really happened was 9-11. And that was for two days. So it has never happened like this. For two days. Two days. So right 9-11, now, they shut down Times Square for two days after 9-11, then opened it right back two up. Two days, opened it right back up. And it was the kind of thing where, you know, I remember as a kid, actually, I remember the advertisements because it was back when the producers had just started on, or maybe, yeah, I think they had just started on Broadway. They put out, you know, they, after the two days were up, they got a bunch of like the broad, the leads of Broadway shows together and put, you know, put them up, filmed them in a commercial that was basically just like welcoming people back to the city. And it was like this cool thing. And you know, I, I don't, you know, I wasn't involved in the industry at the time, so I don't know how long it took for the recovery. But I think one of the things that, you know, uh, sidetracking from our from our, our actual purpose on this podcast for a second, just to talk about this, you know, world changing thing. I think one of the things that is so crazy with my industry is the uncertainty, because this thing came along at a time when so many, you know, Broadway, the way our schedule works, so many shows are opening up in February, March, April, May. And the whole point is open up and get your brand ready before the Tonys so that when, by the time Tonys come, you have the popularity to, you know, get noticed and get awards and, and thusly get some sort of kind of, uh, momentum going so that you can be a a show that runs along again. So now for a lot of these shows, you've completely kind of taken away their runway and, if they open at all after this this kind of blackout is done, um, they will have a. If I, I don't even are Tony still happening? Yeah, Do you it, mean it like changes the momentum? I mean, I was thinking about that for people. I, I'm I'm sure as every year, there's somebody who it's their first big yep chance. Oh, dude, it's their first show is opening. I mean, this is your first lead role on Broadway. Um, yeah, on Broadway. Yeah, uh, so it it it's for you in a sense, and and it it. And I remember when South by Southwest was the first major event to close. Like, they said they were not going to do it. Everyone freaked out for a second. And I was thinking that's that's such a launching pad for so many filmmakers, for so many musicians. It's such a big opportunity to just be invited to to present your yep. work there and to see that ripple out, amplify across all the rookies in their first season in the NBA and the Ooh. NHL and the, you know, people whose this is their moment. Yeah. This is what they've been building their whole life to, to just see it moved around. I, I hope that there continue to be outlets and platforms for uh for people so oh, if yeah. you know any anybody who wants to come on talk movies with us you should uh 
you know nothing starts your career up like a guest spot on little justice on little justice i mean and and that you know that 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 brings up two two things that we should definitely mention number one um you know i think this is definitely the time if you have the means if you have the means to give to give to any platform that is trying to support artists athletes anybody because there's so many small businesses your local businesses your local businesses are going to be hurting right now um anything that you can do and i know that people who um have been you know kind of uh uh, supporting me for a while i know you guys have the best hearts so uh i I, you know i i know that you will give um but the other thing that, that brings us to is what is this podcast I'm I'm dying to find out, dude. Me too. I have no <laughs> freaking clue. Um, you know, if you know, here's what I will say. So if you, you know, I, like like Alex said, I've been very fortunate enough to have a a career on the on the stage um, that has now spanned almost a decade, which is kind of scary uh, to think about uh, that I'm I'm an old man, but I am. Um, but uh, essentially, you know, me and Alex became good friends. This is my best friend of probably I'd say. God, I think it's I think it's at least ten years now. More than that. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a lot. Yeah, ten, eleven years. Ten, eleven We're years. We're old. We're old. Um but one of but the thing that brought us together uh originally was our love of films, love of movies. Alex is an amazing filmmaker, an amazing uh film analyst, editor, um, you know, and I, I just love movies. I, I've written, you know, a couple of screenplays here and there, but I'm mostly at this point I'm just kind of like a someone who just loves the art form um, and and just loves, you know, and if, if I end up in that sphere myself one day, I will not complain, but um, yeah, I just love movies. And we, so much of our friendship has been going back and forth and just giving each other shit about movies and, and kind of identifying each other as people with the movies that, excuse me, that we love. And so we had this idea for this podcast that was just, you know, movie discussion and and so many there's so many movie discussion podcasts out there right now so we were thinking what can make ours different and i think the thing that we came to and correct me if i'm wrong alex was just the fact that you know our friendship is one that is based solely on uh almost kind of uh uh gladiator style combat uh uh, wit um sharp you know barbs on each other uh made the best man win uh, you know, one, we cannot both be happy at the same time. We have to take each other out. If, yeah. If, well, if you're happy, I'm doing something wrong. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, and if he's happy, then I'm doing, you know, I'm doing something wrong. And I think that that's, so we realized that the best way for a podcast, uh, for the two of us would be to almost have a, uh, not a debate, but to, so uh, pick, pick a theme. Um, you know, what, whatever that, whatever that theme of the week tends to be, uh, whether it's villains, whether it's, uh, tragic hero, whether it's, uh, you know, this week's theme, which I think is going to be so amazing. Um, and we both come up with examples of what that theme is the best in our mind, our favorite or the best examples, um, and obviously come with proof of that. Um, so that's how these are generally going to work. You know, I think that we also, you know, just, just kind of teeing you guys up for what to expect. We're also very crazy and, 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 you know, and t- tangential people. So I feel like there will be tangents. I don't, you know, I think, I think if, if you're, this buck- is one of them. Yeah, this is absolutely one of them. Motherfuckers shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? I think if I you're, like, I have, I, let me speak. Speak. What no, do you want to say? On, please. Well, please, I'm just, finish. I'm just laying, this is the exposition. I'm yeah. laying the ground. Please lay, lay the groundwork. You know, it's fascinating. Pat paving the road. Uh, so, you know, but yeah, just, if you're buckling up for this, buckle up for some, some movies, some, uh, some fireside chats, 
and two uh, friends, a black man and a white man, who could not hate each other's guts more. Uh, and I think that's everything you need. I mean, that's like fucking everything you need. Pulp Fiction right there. You know what I mean? Everything you need. Everything you need. One of the things I love about movies is how uh, subjective it is. Mm. Somebody, you know, people like them for different reasons. Good ones, you experience multiple times and get something different each time in it and across so many genres and themes. And it's sort of an endless topic of discussion. So, yeah, this as a platform for that is, uh, that's exciting. It's hanging out with my best friend. Dude, don't touch me. World. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. We talk about this. No eye contact. We don't do eye contact here. No eye contact. No, guys. Well, luckily, I, so I'm in, I'm in California. You're in New York. Yeah, so we don't have to. Be farther apart. Yeah, good. Thank God. Good, you fucking Thank asshole. God. Jesus. So, what, so Alex, what's our theme today? It's a little fitting. We figured we should probably kick this thing off. Uh, it'll either be a two-parter or it'll be a really long who knows? Pilot episode. Who knows? Our third pilot episode that we that third. Tried. We have so many trials. Uh, given given the nature of everything right now, we thought it would be interesting to dig into the disaster movie, <laughs> the disaster film. If Jesus you were alive Christ. in the '90s, you know exactly what we're talking about, bro. Every film was a disaster in the '90s, and we're gonna try to split it up between two types of disaster movies. Here, you've got your uh, your natural disaster. Mm-hmm where uh, there is an insurmountable natural force mm-hmm. uh, that's coming to destroy us all, and yeah. can we overcome it? And a man-made disaster, where uh, it is somebody's fault, mm. singular or plural, somebody, somebody has put us in this position. I think the disaster movie is defined by a plurality of people being put into a situation and having to find their way out. Uh, you don't see many disaster movies that are focused on one person. Usually it's one person surrounded by civilization. It's usually an ensemble. Yeah, an ensemble piece. Usually it's ensemble. Yeah. There are there yeah. are exceptions to that for sure. You know, I was trying to figure out, like, is, is something like Die Hard a disaster movie? What was it you said to me before? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, it's a, a bunch of people in danger. Uh, there is a disaster happening, but it's it's a short amount of time and not that many people. I mean, well, I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, you look at Die Hard and you're talking about, um, you know, something that was essentially, you know, towering Inferno, but with but with the plot of a fucking, you know, a cop drama in there or a cop, like right. a, a cop, like action cop movie in towering Inferno. So was there ever like a Poseidon adventure that was mixed with Die Hard. I'm sure there will well, speed to cruise control, obviously, you know, so I think that that is definitely a gray area um, in terms of, you know, yes, there are certain, you're certainly not going to see a disaster movie that, that has an on that has a less than ensemble cast. However, what blurred it for me, and this is where I think you might have blurred it as well, is the line between man-made and natural is yep. so thin. You so thin. The thinnest device. The thinnest device. Um, name that movie, by the way. I don't remember it. Now I lost it. The thinnest device? It's it's the thinnest of ice. It's actually not from a movie. Oh. It's from an SNL sketch. It's from Ham and Bubbly, John Ham. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Look it up, though. It's fucking hilarious. If you haven't seen Ham and Bubbly with John Ham and uh, Michael Bublé. Uh, but yes, thin line between natural disaster and... Uh, and man-made. And why why do you think that that is if you had to analyze it? Because I think that so many 
and this is, you know, this kind of gives away my choices. But I think that specifically with a natural disaster, I think that so much of what we discover, like we're looking, this is not what I chose, but Everest, right? A natural man, man versus nature movie. However, they made the choice to climb Everest. They continuously make choices which are stupid in the face of climbing Everest and thusly right. get themselves into a disaster. So I think when you're talking about man-made versus natural, I find that the natural disaster is often the tipping point. You know, it's, it's almost like they've made enough man-made mistakes and then yeah. you get to the – finally the, the nature comes in and it just says, fuck you, you're done. You know, which is part of the the hilarity and ridiculousness of it all, because like you're watching these people do stupid ass shit for the first thirty to forty five minutes of your film, and then oh, finally there's something that's gonna you know stop them. They could have they could have done this at any time, could have turned it around at any time. You know, I mean, any good story I think revolves around around us, right? Around mm -hmm. people and humans mm -hmm. and conflict in, in relationships, in love, in rivalry, and all these things. I think the difference in some of these movies is you're right. Like, is that human conflict the reason that they're in peril mm -hmm. or is the disaster being used as uh, an outside villain to test the internal metal mm -hmm. of the characters? And I think so often, I think it's the latter. I think that's what makes the line thin is that it truly is the, the nature is, is usually a test of the human element. I'm finding that the best ones tend to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so do you want to dive in with choices, buddy? Buddy old pal, old uh, buddy? Yeah, we can what, dive in with choices. What'd you I, choose, man? So, so we had talked about initially trying to pick one for each. Mm -hmm. My answer is the same movie for both. Well, I'm so, I don't so intrigued. Know that it's gonna work. No, I want you're it. Gonna, you're gonna hate me. I'm. I already hate you're you. You're gonna hate me. I fucking hate, hate you. <laughs> you're literally like. So I, I wish I, you could I, see him. He has like the you know this fucking goatee beard thing. It's fucking I don't have gross. A goatee. It's it's the light. It's it's very it's very blonde. <sighs> facial hair. So you look can only up. see the dark parts. It it makes me look like mm -hmm. I'm on The Walking Dead or something. Yeah. So let's start with you because I'm gonna I'll go off on a tangent. So you you want me to say mine? Do you have two? I do have one? two. I, oh, I have two. No, I have two. So why friend. don't you do one? Great. You want sandwich mine in because that's the meat. That's what people are really looking for. And then uh, we'll don't ever one don't ever don't ever describe anything that comes Let's out. Sandwich of you your meat. No, don't describe you as the meat of anything. Do you I'm, understand that? I'm the meat in this movie sandwich. You are the meat of hell. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are the meat in Satan's ass cheeks. Is what you are, sir. <laughs> Uh, let me, okay. Uh, okay. So what do you want? You want natural man-made? Cause the natural, uh, let, natural let's, is going to piss you off. <laughs> let's start with natural. Great. It seems like a natural place to start. Don't ever. <laughs> Gross. Um, so in choosing this movie, a lot of things went into my head. I thought, okay, looking at that line of man-made being, you know, the, the flaws of man, um, that are then uh, kind of pushed over the edge by a a natural a natural disaster or whatever it is something you know whatever the, the the straw that breaks the camel's back tends to be something of nature is more of a man made movie man made disaster and looking at that I was like okay is there a movie 
that is just truly the humans didn't do anything. They didn't like bring it on. You know what I mean? Like it was just something that like happened and we have to watch these people figure it out. And the best example of that, the best example of something that like is truly like a movie that does not allow, like is not focused on the humans fucking it up. And about 4 a.m. I, I discovered this movie and I turned it on and, and watched it. And I was like, you know what? I think that's it. Last night? This morning. 4 a.m. this morning. Independence Day. Welcome to Earth. Okay. So, obviously, the first thing we have to address is uh, the aliens and how I consider them a natural disaster. Pentagon officials are reporting more ships have just arrived over the capitals of India, England, and Germany, bringing estimates up to anywhere from 10 to 15 of these city-sized spacecraft. I know, my just try and stay calm. And I consider the, you know, yes, it is more, you could call it a war film, but I think that the First of all, the thing that I loved about rewatching this film um, was that it, it okay, and this is kind of tangential, but it comes back to my point. The design of the aliens in Independence Day is so close to perfection, cannot be understated how much detail, because this was before CGI was a real thing. So we're dealing with models. Right. We're dealing with like when they want to send a fireball going through Los Angeles or New York is the shot. It is not like they just CGI in the buildings. They literally build a scale model of New York and then they shoot flames up it at and, and film it at such a rate that it looks like a fireball moving. And you watch this shit. And not only do these graphics hold up, but I think the biggest achievement of the design of these aliens is how natural and bug-like they seem. When we found them, they were wearing uh, some sort of biomechanical suits. But once we got them off, we learned a great deal about their anatomy. Eyes, ears, no vocal cords. We're assuming they communicate with each other through some other means. This is not about little green men. The whole point of this is to create something that just seems so like, cause we're not, you know, again, we don't really get into like the alien technology of it. We're not marveling at how amazing, you know, these, you know, like it's, you know, Jeff Goldblum, who's, who's kind of the brains of the outfit in this film, you know, uh, there, there's a version of the script where he is, uh, you know, he could be just going through every piece of alien technology and marveling at how how intricate it is and how they did this and how they did that. That's not the point here. The point is something that is so massive and out of our element of thinking that we just we can't defeat it. We can't comprehend it. There's no penetrable way in. These aliens themselves are we can't get quite a, a lock on what they look like because we think we know what they look like and then that's their body armor they're they're in fact insects like they kind of have this outer shell and then the actual alien is driving this outer shell. like there's so much about them that is the whole point is to say it's just like too big for you to understand 
Yeah. And, and is that not nature? And, and my favorite, the, where it really clicked for me was the first time that you see one of these, you know, when the ships start appearing, appearing overhead, they don't even, they make this great choice where they don't even look like ships. They just look like storm clouds rolling in. Right. Like you, cause this, the ships are so massive. This is just their fucking dust plume. This is not even like the actual ship. It's just the smoke, but the smoke and the, the fire that it takes to power these things is so much that to us, it just looks like the entire sky is a thunderstorm. And I was like, yeah. that's fucking badass. And that's natural. And again, back to our point in the first scenes that set up the world and the characters that we're going to be following. Yes. These characters have flaws. Yes, you know, they, they're all like little quirky people that we can latch onto and see ourselves in. But nobody asked for this. Like maybe President Whitmore, you know, President Whitmore, the, the, uh, the Bill Pullman character, we get the sense from him, um, you know, he's his whole arc is that he, you know, when the movie starts, he's our president and he is a lame duck president. Like he is, you know, everybody has he hasn't really done anything with his presidency Everybody's like, yo, this guy is the worst. He just has kind of sat there and played mediator and hasn't, you know, hasn't put a stamp on anything. So Independence Day for him presents an opportunity for him to like take a leadership position. But like that is the most kind of ask and you shall receive that this movie gets into. The rest of it is just like people who just, yeah. are That's thrust. As far into the hood as they go. That's yeah. it. That's it. And I think that that I think that is kind of why it's in terms of a natural disaster. And again, could be a stretch to say this is natural because these are sentient beings. But but, you know, shit, well, there's tons of fucking, you know, River Wild. I mean, she fights a fucking bear. Do you mean like there's tons of movies where where nature is sentient, you know, and it's 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 just about, you know, a well, so how, how, let me. Let me ask how this lays against, uh, because if you think about the the dramatic arc of this movie, is very similar to a deep impact or an Armageddon, right? With the ensemble, uh, there's relationships, you know, father and son, father daughter, you know, lovers, friends, all these things, military, government, all, everything facing this giant natural disaster. What what does Independence Day do better to you, uh, in terms of presenting that disaster than than one of those movies? Great fucking question. The first thing I'm going to say is, uh, no Elijah Wood. I'm the famous Leo Biederman, and I haven't used my fame for anything. Second thing I'm going to say is, no, I love Elijah Wood. I actually love, I actually love I, Elijah Wood. When, when Deep Impact came out, I think Lily Sobieski was like my first love. Oh, I yeah. That movie, like the tragedy of them to me as like a nine-year-old. They're like, oh, you have mm -hmm. to take care of your brother now and we're riding off on the motorcycle. I was like, oh my God, like that is the deepest romance I've ever seen before. That's, that's the deepest impact, dude. <laughs> it's the, the deepest, deepest impact I've ever, a movie's ever had. Ever had. I talked to Civil Defense. They said if you and I got married, we'd be family and I could get you in. But here's what I think. Here's, here's why it stacks up higher. I think that when you look at it, you know, obviously Deep Impact, Armageddon, two movies that come together where it's, you know, these these wonderful, you know, on the one hand, you have Michael Bay, Jerry Bruckheimer with with Armageddon coming in with like just things that would at, at this point we now know is like just pure Michael Bayisms, just America first coming in, fucking fucking this asteroid in the in the bum, like literally drilling a hole and raping this asteroid with a nuke. That is that is how Jerry Bruckheimer and Matt Michael Bay never looked at it like that. 
Dude. Will now. You will now. It's it's full of phallic imagery. imagery. You got Owen Wilson in there. That's all you need. Um, you know, so on the one hand, I thought that was too, it was too light and cowboyish of a touch. And also like, I'm sorry, the acting in that film, if you ever, if guys, if you ever want like a true laugh, I want you to go back and look at some of the acting in Armageddon because the borderline Kabuki-esque performances of like (laughs) Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, like two very subtle very good actors who have just been asked, I can only assume by their director to like take everything up to a full 110%. You want to go home? Is that it? You want to be fired? No, I don't. My crew is doing the right thing. Your crew? Your crew just blew the transmission, AJ. Listen, that NASA computer is just playing it safe. The machine you built, the rig can do it. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. And so that's why not Armageddon. I just think Armageddon, as much as I love it, as, and as it a, doesn't. It, 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 it loses yet. The the threat of the asteroid goes yeah. up and down. It's more there to serve the the entertaining moments of the character's story instead of like in Independence Day. I feel like the entertainment comes from the insurmountable force. Like you want. They don't show you the aliens up close and personal all the time. Like you want to get a closer idea of what you're dealing with. You don't quite know what's possible the whole yes. movie. You don't know, and it builds and it know. builds and it builds until you're finally in the ship and you see the scale. That's the point. And, and the whole movie is geared towards just figuring out what you're even dealing with. Whereas the asteroid was like, hey, oh, there's an asteroid. Okay, now we're in problem-solving mode until the end of the movie. It's, it's just do or don't we succeed. Also working so hard to make an asteroid look like heavy metal. Like oh, my God. The, the asteroid like that went to fucking Hot Topic. It and just like, ended God. up looking like like the Astro Crag, dude. <laughs> you know? Like the Acro Crag. Like they're all just on Legends of the Hidden Temple or something. And <laughs> that's exactly fucking fucking Jeff Probst is there. <laughs> Come on out, guys. Come on. <laughs> First one it's to the top gets to marry Liv Tyler. Like. Oh God, dude. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is, man. Um, you know. So I think I think that is my my thing about the, that movie is just like in general. I think that yeah. they just went to a point where it was ridiculous on the other end with deep impact i think that that and again critics have even said this deep impact was just so heavy everything about deep impact is is i I love deep impact oh no it's like i love it truly a beautiful film and i think i think that what you know because obviously in the arms race for asteroid movies historically armageddon won Armageddon got the bigger box office. Deep Impact was was famously fl- uh, drowned by Armageddon's uh, uh, you know kind of popularity, and it's not it's 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 a much more reflective, slow burn. Like let's because truly... it's a, it's about the people. Like, Armageddon's yeah. about the asteroid, yes, uh, and about how fun we can, how much fun we can have blowing it up, yes. Uh, and Deep Impact is is about literally that the impact that the a giant disaster that changes the entire world's outlook how we work with each other how we deal with each other mm-hmm. our relationship like what happens when the threat of global annihilation is uh yeah. looming yep uh, yeah and i think it, it deals with it pretty well there there are it's still very hollywood but that's what it should be a movie like with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like that. My favorite, my favorite moments quite is, is the, the group of astronauts with the, uh, uh, Robert Duvall up there. Yeah. Uh, when they send him up. So they send Robert Duvall is supposed to be like this, you know, this astronaut who's like a hero astronaut. And they send him up with a crew of newbies to go and basically pull an arm again. And they, re- but they realize that they, there's no way, there's just no way they can do it. And, and the moments when they finally are like coming to terms with that are some of the best moments in the movie. It's amazing. It's really, no, and, truly and, that, and that's not even about the asteroid. That's about Robert Duvall realizing that he's a dinosaur and he needs to let the new school in. It's about the younger guys realizing that they need to, to, you know, shut up and listen for a second. It's about the future. It's all about, you know, the future, like that. What, what is the point of everything we're doing even before asteroids? What is, what is the reason? And it's, it's the future, you know, everything we do now is built for our kids and our grandkids and, and understanding the humanity in every decision that we make and yeah no it's a it's a beautiful film and but but it's so i will say the thing it's heavy and and i think that there's a way to balance out the heavy and the fun and i think that that is you know and here's what i'll say i don't normally like a roland emmerich film i the patriot when it came out like it's one of those films that you you watch now and you're like ooh, really really do you mean like really did we did we let this happen because, like, you know, leave the, the fucking re- social ridiculousness aside uh, from, you know, Mel Gibson playing a 17th or, yeah, 18th century plantation owner who uh, his uh, had uh, freed his slaves, but they chose to continue working for him because he was such a kind man. We're going to leave that alone. Mel Gibson dream role. Mel Gibson dream role. Also the fact that the British are basically uh, Death Eaters. Oh, uh, not that. Yep. Uh, yeah, do you know what I mean? Well, like, that's be- that, yeah, that's because Lucius Malfoy was the bad guy. <laughs> he literally was the bad guy. He literally um, was the bad guy. That it's it's like what the hell is like? They're just monsters, and you're just watching this movie of like British, sn- like terrorists versus like Mel Gibson's Australian brand of Americanism, and you're like Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know what's happening here. Independence Day struck a very unique balance where like. It, it is – it's like absolutely has its over-the-head, hammy, campy moments of like the world coming together to beat this thing and has its – you know, has its shit that's just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? It's the wrong field, you idiot. But in general watching it. I think that you have a strong cast. I think you have a surprisingly unnecessarily strong script. Like 
the amount, the amount, you know, the thing that makes a disaster movie so interesting is that because it is such a big movie, you don't have room for subtlety. Um, it, you know, often I think that I think subtlety is the first thing to fly at the windows because you want to you want to make sure they get who these people are so that we can get to the good stuff. This movie, the amount of like setups and payoffs in the script, the the scene that gets me every time is what the the introduction of Jeff Goldblum's character playing chess with uh with his father. Um, so much information is you know he's playing chess and. Uh, you know, just in like, in like, just like a chess match, his father brings up like, you know, the fact that he's still wearing his wedding ring. So right there, we know he's divorced. We, they're playing chess. So right there, we know he's a very smart person. Um, he's into recycling. So you know that he's about saving the world. Hey, do you have any idea how long it takes for those cups to decompose? If you don't move soon, I'm going to start to decompose. There's just these little things that are just very casually brought up that really help spell out his character. And are done so fast. Um, I also think about like, and this is partially portrayal, partially, uh, you know, like the writing, you know, Harvey Firestein's character in it, who plays Jeff Goldblum's boss. Like we see him for maybe six minutes. And yet when he dies, like it's this horrible thing. Cause it's, it's funny because he's like in the, you know, he's trapped in a car and like, there's a huge wall of fire coming at him. He's like, Oh God. And his Harvey Firestein, beautiful voice. <laughs> but you're also like, Oh no, he's going to die. Like this is terrible. He's very, we like that guy. Oh crap. You know, like there's just, they did a lot very efficiently and very quickly. And I don't know if he's been, I don't know if as a director and as a writer, they've been able to do that since. Cause I think about Godzilla, this is the same team that brought us Godzilla, the same team that brought us, uh, uh, not 2012, but day after tomorrow. So they've yep. they've had their share of like big disaster films. This is the one that I think came together the, the best. Yeah, I you know watching it, I was like, this is a, just a truly it's fun but also emotional. Will Smith does a great. He's well cast. I find that like it's all about casting for Will Smith. Like not that he's not a brilliant actor, but like if you give him a role where it's like, yeah, he can he can have some fun. Like he can do his thing. He's great. He's excellent. Um, and this was one of those roles. It's like, yeah, you're fucking fire. And Jeff Goldblum and him have a crazy amount of chemistry. I don't even know why they have that chemistry. This is our victory dance. Not until the fat lady sings. Oh, yes, okay. This is important. Mm, fat lady, I gotcha. You know, it's it's kind of awesome. Bill Pullman is is wonderful. Everyone's wonderful. So yeah, I, I that, that's where my mind went for natural. Disaster was Independence, Independence Day. Day. Yes, I got to rewatch. I mean, I know I've seen it 15 times, but a 16th couldn't hurt. The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Mm -hmm. Couldn't hurt. All right, I hey. love it. I love Dude, it. Go. Hey, now it's your, now it's time for the meat. I was, like we've been talking about, I was trying to pull apart what qualified as man-made and natural. Mm -hmm. And all the ones that I had that I thought were the best for natural were kind of man-made and vice versa. And I thought mm -hmm. the best, the best movies are the ones that, approach that symbiosis that like everything is a metaphor for humanity and how we're involved in it 
And so when it's, when it's kind of the hubris of man that leads us to disaster, I think that's the thing. Um, the, the first one that came to mind, it's not what I'm choosing in the end, but the first thing that came to mind was Godzilla, the original Godzilla, the whole concept. I don't, where, I don't mind that. I don't mind that choice. Where, you know, as a, as a movie, go back and watch the original 1954, I think it was, version. It's a really well done ensemble film. Mm-hmm. trying to deal with this thing that they, they you know for such an old film they do the ensemble very well and the progression of time very well uh and if you zoom out from it you know as a metaphor for uh nuclear weapons it's this is post-world war ii japan this movie's coming out the consequences of nuclear weapons godzilla being a, a product of atomic tests in the pacific and it spawns this you know monster and then everybody dealing with it i think uh godzilla is is punishment you know, mm-hmm. and then the movie is about trying to get past our sins and come together and atone. And and you know, con- conceptually, I think Godzilla is a is a great disaster movie because it it does that. And and there really is no focus on a you know the remakes have focused on singular characters yeah. more than the ensemble. And they're you know what's going on in Brian Cranston's heart right now uh, when it doesn't really matter or Matthew what? Broderick. What oh, you know, remember is, Matthew doesn't even. I don't even Nick, know. And Hank, Hank Nick, Azaria. <laughs> Nick Topopopoulos was, was his name. was ridiculous. Nick, Nick Topopopoulos. But as as disaster movies go, even in natural disasters, I feel like having it be our fault is key. So I thought, okay, well, then the best natural disaster movie that incorporates us is one thing. And then the best our fault movie that you know wraps around a natural disaster you're gonna hate me for this but here it comes please wait wait drum roll it's titanic buddy not only do i hate you but that was my choice for man are you serious for man-made yeah Amazing. Yeah. So now we don't have That's to come choice. back to your man-made choice. So now, now the meat—it's—it's a—it's a—it's a bread meat meat sandwich. There's so much meat in this sandwich. Oh, dude, there's too much meat. Billy Zane alone is too much meat. Billy Zane is most of the meat. You could be blasé about some things, Rose, but not about Titanic. Right off the bat, let's get all the bullshit out because this movie sucks. <laughs> right? There I'm are gonna... elements. If you go back and you watch this movie, uh, the actual. Romeo and Juliet story is terrible. Oh, it's trust. Uh, the performances are fine, but the the characters are bad people who are irresponsible. Yeah. Uh they're young and lustful and uh the actual main storyline is James Cameron's idea of <laughs> of yes. what romance is. Well, uh, this is yeah, this is his yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll get into this. I th- I think that we can take that out, right? Let's just let's just take that storyline and just thread it like you're pulling the vein out of a shrimp. Jesus. And just set it over graphic. There. Graphic uh, much. You know, just just pull it out. Everything else wrapped around this movie is is incredible and i think that's why it had the success it had right because mm-hmm. it had that the same way i'm talking about elijah wood storyline and deep impact because that titanic came out around you know a couple years later but around that same time i remember the effect it had on me me thinking how romantic it was and how epic it was it gave you that feeling in your stomach like that you were watching something really epic at that age watching mm-hmm. it again recently it's the opposite it kind of made me mad but i think it had that for that 
Uh, but for, for everybody else, it had this reflection on an event that really happened. Yeah. Uh, it was a disaster that really happened that, uh, it only happened because there were corners cut because of money, because of, uh, mm-hmm. expediency, because of ignorance, because of pride, because of hubris, because of, you know, it, it wouldn't have happened if we had been better. And then it doesn't it doesn't flinch from showing you, you know, it's four hours long. Like it doesn't, it doesn't stop showing you what that event was, what that, uh, disaster was as an experience. And it takes, it takes the time to place the blame and it takes the time to, you know, to set set you up where we are in terms of, of the human element. And then it also shows you the natural element and what that actually, what, what, what that actually means. You know, it's so funny because I think, you know, so uh, my wife, when I was, you know, uh, so I was on tour with uh, Hamilton for for a long time and we were in Orlando and uh, my wife, uh, when I was doing the show one afternoon, she went to this, there was a Titanic museum in Orlando and I have not been, but apparently it's amazing. And she went and one of the things they, they have a lot of artifacts that they, they pulled up from the, from the wreckage. And one of the coolest things that they had that she told me about was they had a recreation of the iceberg. And what they did was, you know, I don't know if it was like dry ice or what, but they, they had the iceberg. It's like this huge thing. And then they had you apparently stick your hand on, like they're like, touch it just to see how it feels and see if you can hold it for like 10 seconds. And she did it. She didn't get all 10. I think she didn't, she got maybe nine seconds, but she was, it was like, she was like, it's the most painful thing you've ever experienced and you think about that's what the water felt like all around your body so i think to your point i think the beauty of the the one thing i will say about the titanic script um as ridiculous as it is at at times is that it spends the entire first remember how when the movie came out on vhs there were two tapes the first tape is all set up of of how this could have been avoided man-made wise the second, the second tape and the second act of the movie is literally these people trying to survive this this natural storm. Don't you understand? The water is freezing, and there aren't enough boats. Not enough by half. Half the people on this ship are going to die. Not the better half. Um, but yes. So uh, back to the back to the point. Yes, exactly. So yeah, Sarah I, I, Sarah I, I agree. Yeah, the first the first half being one thing and the second half being another. I think what I was saying about about the romance storyline is is not so much the survival elements amazing. The whole sequence from the time it hits the iceberg to trying to figure out what to do, rushing up the ship all the way into the water, like all the way down, is is great. The stuff where she like jumps back to be with him and abandons her mother, who is going to be homeless. As soon as she gets ashore, <laughs> mm-hmm. because she's decided not to, you know, not that she should have ended up with this person, but she she very recklessly runs off with a guy she just met. Very, she she just met him. She like just maybe met him. You know, three if she wanted ago. to not marry the guy, it would have been fine. But she she chose not to marry the guy because of you know a seventeen year old Leo that she just met and abandons Here's- everything she's ever known. That's a great question. For that. Do we think if she had not met Leo? Would she have married Cal? Well, so uh, the events that take place give her the confidence that she needs to move forward, right? It's, in the end, it's not about Leo. She moves on. She has her long life. She learns how to ride a horse like a man would ride it. Teach me to ride like a man. And chew tobacco like a man. And 
bit like a man. What, they didn't teach you that in finishing school? Whatever that means. Uh, you know, it, it gives her the strength to, to do what she needs to do. But in, in the context of what's actually happening, the decisions that she makes on the fly are all based around just trying to get with Leo in a, in a recklessly irresponsible way. Her, her jumping off the life raft to get back on the ship, abandoning her mother, who she's the only thing her mother has. Her mother's broke. Her mother is alone. Her mother is tied to this fantasy, like on her way to dementia, and she just abandons her <laughs> to go be with Accurate. to go be with Leo. And I think that has nothing to do with Cal. That is is her own recklessness. Just a um, point of order. Just a point of order, really quick. For those, if you are listening and you hear a little drip, 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 it's just some coffee. We're making some oh, coffee right God, now. I'm so sorry, guys. It's okay. Don't lose it. It's all my fault. Get out of here, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's her fault. She is more than allowed See, to make coffee. It's these close, it's these close quarters. It's, these, it's the it's the coronavirus quarters, dude. It's the Corona quarters. Corona quarters. Yeah, um, we're in close Corona quarters. So, um, yes. so I th- I think as far as disaster movies go, what you need in a good disaster movie is uh, a, a, an insurmountable force that is separate from you. You know, a a disaster, something that happens that causes everybody to reassess their reality and pivot quickly and fight back and, and, you know, tackle a challenge that they, they were, it's not, it's not only that the challenge is big, but it's that it's unexpected and sudden. It's something where you're living life, la, 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 la. And then all of a sudden, bam, something bad happens and you're not expecting it. You're not prepared for it. You're not anything. Um, I watched Twister in preparation for this. And it was kind of like, it's like what you were saying about Everest. Like they're chasing these storms. The whole movie is about, about the divorce that's happening between these two. And it's about their relationship, you know? Um, and it, it does this thing where it's a disaster movie, but it's, it's about these two people and Twister, their fallen relationship. Yeah, and it's, Twister, Twister to me is closer to, I think it's, you know, and this is, I think it makes sense because Crichton was, a, I think he was either producer or had something to do with production of Twister, but Jurassic Park. Twister yep. is more about, you know, it's it's about how this these these things bring the people together, right? Very much the same way that Alan Grant learns to love kids by the end of Jurassic Park. Um, and, and I think that that's great, but I, it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a disaster movie because they, like, again, they go looking for the disaster. But what I love about, what I love about where that's like the, those stories before Twister starts, there's already a deep relate. There's a relationship story that's already been happening before Jurassic yes. Park starts. There's a problem these people already have. And it's sort of just the, the, the context of the situation allows them to view it in a new light. But it's still just part of them. What what I love about Titanic is that is that Jack and Rose both they come from opposite ends of the societal spectrum. Obviously, um, the disaster is caused by people that Rose is struggling with anyway. Right? It's it's the stuff she's trying to get away from the people and the the reckless wealth and attitude of uh, you know we don't care and everything is whatever. That's what causes the disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leo's own struggle with being where he is, he's only put into this precarious situation because of his his status. And so it takes stuff that he's been struggling with and and forces him to to deal I force him to deal with it in a new Well, I mean he becomes he becomes the casualty of it. I mean that's right. that is, you know, he is like most of the of the 
you know, people in, in, uh, in third class or steerage, um, they are, they are mostly the people who die, you know? Um, so it's, it, I think, yeah, definitely. Those things are so closely intertwined, which is why you feel the gravity, the emotional gravitas, (laughs) if you will, of, of what's happening where it's, it's not just trying to survive an iceberg crash. It's trying to survive, you know, society. (laughs) It's trying to trying to figure out you know, when everything's stripped away. Like, what are we what are we valuing? You know, um, and I think it's relevant it's like to what's the, happening it's right like now. The ice, <laughs> it's like the iceberg. Yeah, it's like the iceberg is society. It's us. <sighs> you know, maybe do you think that when Jordan Peele was writing us, do you think that he looked at Titanic and was like, "It's us." Can I tell you name, please, love? Dawson. Rose Dawson. Thank you. But yeah, so okay, so so the the sandwich is uh, it's more of a open face like avocado toast, like 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 an avocado toast, like so it's yeah. it's it's Titanic and it's uh, and it's uh, and it's a little bit of um, Independence Day. Yeah, I think those I are it. great great choices. Um, you know, it occurs to me as we wrap this up. You know. Um, I think the thing that makes disaster movies, you know, it makes or breaks disaster movies is uh, the endings. And I think that disaster movies, uh, you know, not to try to kind of zoom out into our lives, but I think that the thing we can always take from a good disaster movie is the fact that, you know, there is always hope at the the end. And I think that whether it's, you know, you know, in deep impact, some that definitely people survive, everyone survives. And I, I know, and I say this to say, if you're listening to this and we by any chance are still recovering from coronavirus, which I guess I'm pretty sure we will be uh, for the foreseeable future. Just know that there is a light to the end of this. It's not uh, over. Um, I know it, it can seem crazy and insurmountable and large and devastating, and it is, but these things come and these things go. And, and the fact that we're still breathing and you're able to listen to this podcast and all that, that is a wonderful thing. So um, if there's anything we can learn from this, these disaster movies, it is that to keep going, to learn how to ride horses, to learn how to spit like a man. You yeah, know, if, um, if a young handsome, if, if, if Timothy Chalamet shows up outside your door, do not abandon your family. Yeah. Don't for a, a two day romp. Don't do no, that. That's irresponsible. Yeah. Just don't, you know, if, just if you, you just break up with the dude, just break up with the dude, just d- don't marry him. Yeah, don't marry Billy Zane. Just don't do it. You don't have to. You don't have to kill Jack to not marry Billy Zane. Now may I suggest top coats and hats? This is ridiculous. I think that's kind of the the, the what we're trying to say here. You just you just be single. <laughs> just be single for a second. Spend you know? some time with yourself. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. Work on you for Spend, a little bit. Get to know. You make know? make some make a great <laughs> avocado toast. You know. Uh, this has been a great little justice, Alex. Always a pleasure, my friend. Always a pleasure. If you, we don't have an email address, we should get something. If you have, reach out to Nick via social media uh, at Nikki Walks and let us know uh, what you want to hear about, what theme, what what you want us to to debate. Figure, uh, feel free to tweet or or Instagram, and uh, we will obviously have a Twitter and Instagram coming uh, very soon. So you know. Get on that, and uh, we'll see. We'll see you next time, guys. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe. Little Justin, 
little justice, little justice, fuck yeah. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Org, because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.